Welcome to the Marketing Agility Podcast, where we discuss all things related to the growing field of Agile marketing. This podcast is co-produced by Frank Days and the Agile Marketing Alliance so that we can learn, share, and grow together. Melissa Reeve and I will be your hosts for today's episode. We have the pleasure of speaking with Greg Kielstrom, speaker, author, and advisor at the Agile brand. Greg has helped Fortune 1000 organizations to transform to Agile marketing, and he has recently released the Agile Brand Guide to Agile Marketing, Part 2, Implementing and Optimizing Agile Practices in the Enterprise for Marketers. We'll talk to him today about his book and how to sustain an Agile culture. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. Yeah, excited to be here and talk with you both. So, Greg... How did you get into Agile marketing? What caused you to become an advocate for Agile and marketing? I come from a marketing and a technology background, and I I started, ran, and and eventually sold a a digital marketing agency. And uh, we did, uh, a, a big part of our work was website design and development. We also did digital marketing, really saw some of the rise of social media marketing and, and some of those things we were started in the early 2000s. So we saw a lot of things come along. We did things very waterfall, you know, everything, all our project-based work, very waterfall. And, um, you know, just sometimes it made, it made sense. And other times I just kept saying to myself and to my teams, there's got to be a better way to approach this, uh, you know, especially when requirements are kind of fuzzy or when we need, you know, continuous improvement on, on some of our work. And so I kind of stumbled into agile and and agile marketing from just a a need to try to solve a a business problem and a, and a customer set of challenges. And just from there, just learn more and more about, about agile in general, and then how we could apply it not only to our more technical projects, but also how we could apply it to marketing. And I think from the, from the other side, you know, we also saw the rise of, you know, Google Analytics being ubiquitous and, you know, real-time analytics being easily accessible. And so we also saw people and our customers and 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 people being very reactive to this real-time information and so you know on the other on the one hand we have waterfall approaches which don't give us the flexibility and on the other hand we have access to real-time information which some can be too reactive to and so agile marketing was really the way that i was able to reconcile the two of let's be methodical but let's uh, let's be able to iterate and, and improve over time. And yet let's also not be reactive to what just happened. Let's let's still be methodical about things. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I think a lot of us have gone on a similar journey of really trying to get more into real-time information. So let's shift gears for just a little bit here. People talk about the importance of creating an agile culture. And I know for me, especially when I was beginning my agile journey, that just felt like a slippery phrase. Um, I wasn't really sure what it meant. How would you define this? Very recently, I've, I was working with uh, a team that they had approached a project in what they had thought was agile. And really, you know, I, th- I think it, as we know, having worked in the space for a while, uh, there's a, there's a set of, of, 
there's ways that you do things, right? Um, as opposed to, I think when when some people who are less familiar use the term agile, it's like the wild west. It's like, okay, we're going to wing it and kind of take things as they come or whatever. So, you know, an agile culture to me is openness to change, openness to being wrong. I even, I hesitate even using the word wrong because I think, you know, the mistakes are the best teachers in in most cases, but this openness to being able to adapt and change over time and that we don't have to be perfect. We're not expected to be perfect, but we're expected to learn from everything that we do and use everything that we do to keep improving. And this is tough for a lot of organizations that leadership is, expecting perfection on on round one and so you know it agile culture takes team members that first of all are are open to this idea of again of iteration and, and optimization but also leaders that are willing to have an experiment fail for lack of a better term and know that failure is going to lead to success i forget who i, I need to attribute to this this quote too, but somebody once said that uh, culture is defined as the sum of all of the decisions within the organization. So as you said, if you've got leaders who are making decisions that failure is not acceptable, or if they're making decisions that are not empowering the team to act on information that they see, then there's no way the sum of those decisions will equal an agile culture. Yeah. And I think that's kind of an interesting thought experiment. When you look at all the decisions that you have to make, do, does the sum of all those decisions uh, support agility? Yeah, I think this idea of, of failure is so important to uh, agile. I was reading an article last week about a CMO that actually told her team you're not failing enough, okay? (laughs) What she was saying is that they weren't taking enough chances. They weren't thinking outside the box. They were worried that if they failed, that she would look down on that or judge them for that or whatever. And in fact, what she wanted them to do is to take more chances because it was through taking those chances, as as you said, that the teams learn. You agree with that? I mean, I know it in my own life as a, if not in my professional career and, and what I've always tried to, you know, I've been a CEO a couple of times, I've, I've led teams and, and, you know, now I work as a, as a consultant and an advisor, but, you know, always it let's, let's look at things. There are some things that we need to be safe about and, and we need to be careful about, but in all areas that we can, let's find ways to experiment, even within boundaries experimentation can be incredibly valuable and where we can afford to make some bigger mistakes, you know, in order to learn better, by all means, let's do it. Greg, we talked about the importance of of failure to an agile culture. Are there other ways that you think leaders can help support the development of an agile culture? What are some of the other things that they can do? Just going back to agile principles, I mean, looking at ways to be more collaborative in in approaches, and in addition to you know being being open to to failure or less than perfection, it's also leaders having humility that they're not always the ones with the best decisions. I learned that late in my in my career as a CEO, but um, fortunately not too late, I think. And you know, I, I started 
realizing that the best possible thing as a leader is to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And a good leader knows how to work with those, those people. And that, that really, you know, ties into that really, you know, the democracy of ideas and the collaborative approach that, that agile also really embraces. And when you do that, you're going to have some great ideas. You're going to have some good ideas. You're going to have some terrible ideas, but everybody gets to learn. And also just the diversity of ideas and the diversity of opinions I can't underscore that enough that it's just valuable to to see that and, and to hear that. So Greg, in your, your recent book, you talk about how agile teams can work with non-agile teams. You were just talking about collaboration and oftentimes in organizations and, and you've been through a couple of these transformations and I'm sure you've seen where agile teams are collaborating together and they've got this rhythm and this way of working and they're bumping up against other parts of the organization that maybe haven't yet adopted Agile or are, have just a different operating model. Um, can you share a story of uh, an example where you've seen that and how did that look? I'll, I guess I'll start with what doesn't work. And so, you know, what, what doesn't work, I think, is some in the Agile community tend to be a little dogmatic and a little... I'll just leave it at that. A little dogmatic about, you know, the approach of there, you know, there's there's one real way to do this stuff. And if you're not doing it that way, even even if you're doing what you call agile or scrum or Kanban or, or whatever, but it's not in the, you know, the the right way, let's just say, it becomes very difficult to work with with some people. So I think, you know, I think step one is kind of breaking down that idea of the true, I mean, the name gives it away. Like the agile is meant to be uh, flexible and adaptive to needs. There are things that really help and there are tried and true methods and, and, and things that we can use. But just recently working with a team that was, they were brand new to a marketing team at a professional services company. They were new to agile marketing. A few of them had done it in, in years or, or roles past, but, you know, in, in working with them, they were very excited about it, but immediately ran into some frustrations when trying to work with another team that was not agile at all they were very waterfall and regimented in the in the way that they did that but just kind of opening up the lines of communication to to basically that to encourage everyone being accepting of the others approach that this agile marketing team they were they were excited about this they were doing actually they were doing better work they were working better together collaboratively Nobody has to force the other team to work in another way as long as they find the reduced the friction between those those handoff points. And I think that you know that's that's where it does get tricky. It even gets tricky if there's two teams that are I, I was working with another enterprise org where one team was on they were each on two week sprints, but the sprints weren't aligned. And so even that can be a frustration unless you they actually found a way to make that work like tee things up for the next for the next team sprint because they had a week's notice. So, you know, there's there's all kinds of ways to do this, but I, I think it, it starts with just being accepting that every, everybody's got to work in the way that, that works best for them. And Agile may not be the best way for everyone. It, it is true. No one size fits all prescriptive Agile approach is going to fit everybody's situation, right? And, and I think... The point is not to practice canonical scrum or, you know, Kanban the way that 
Anderson writes about it in his book or whatever. The point is to be more adaptive to change, to inspect what you're doing with data. Would you agree on being flexible in the approach? Yeah, definitely. And I've I've learned from some great people along the way. In fact, the the person who contributed the forward to my my latest book, Anthony Coppage from IBM, has some amazing stories on, you know, how he helped transform that, you know, the sales and the marketing uh, part of that organization to be agile and I just had him on my podcast um and you know we were talking about the just this topic of just how it it can't be a one size fits all approach to you know exactly your point and again the the name agile gives it away and in, in that like it's got to be flexible to the needs of the organization the needs of the team and potential future needs to make it better and and make it work better you know, I think this is such a fascinating conversation because, you know, as, as you're talking, I'm thinking about these software development teams that have pretty standard things that they're doing, right? Software development, even though the software can look very different, there's typically similar motions. And I, I once heard there, there's something like 42 sub-disciplines within marketing. And so I think that's why we keep hearing we need to adapt more, uh, we need to adapt agile to uh, the context in marketing and that not one one size fits all. But my question for you is is this, which is at what point does agile stop being agile? So the the analogy I give is is an automobile and that you can have an automobile without a roof. It's called a convertible. You could have an automobile without doors. It's, it's typically a Jeep. <laughs> but if you had an automobile without wheels, it's, it's probably stopped being an automobile. So what do you feel yeah. are those minimum set of practices where if you're not doing them, you're probably not achieving that agility that we were seeking? I mean, I do think the, the concept of sprints is key in, in this. I think the concept of understanding business, the combination between business value and, and prioritization is key as well. You know, otherwise you just, you simply get back to waterfall requirements building and, and things like that. And, you know, the, it's a, it's a great, I'm probably going to have better ideas tonight when I, when I think about this more, but I know what you're saying because there, we talk about how we want to be flexible and, and nimble, but I mean, I, the, the third thing that I would say right now, at least would be the, the concept of the retrospective. And to me, it's not even just the, the ritual of the meeting happening, but it's the idea that we are continually thinking about the work, about the work, right? It's, you know, obviously as marketers, we're going to, we need to improve. We need to achieve better numbers because a market, that's a marketer's job is the, the, next campaign is better than the last. But I think it's that continual focus on improving the work um, and the, the process of the work that is so critical. If, if I could distill that down, I'm hearing th the three things. One is cadence. You've, you've got to be operating on a certain cadence. You know, you mentioned a sprint, but yeah. whatever that looks like. And then yeah. you're synchronizing. So you've got this point that you're coming together with within your team, within other teams, to connect and to uh, to communicate how things are going, and then you're regularly retrospecting. You're saying, "How do we 
we take what we're doing and is it the right work? You know, is it the right work? How can we improve it? And actually, there was a fourth thing you said, which was um, aligning that business value and, and prioritizing uh, against that business value. So, yeah. uh, you know, this is this is brand new IP being discussed here. Um, maybe <laughs> as, as a community, we can come together and, and figure out what is that essential agile that marketing teams need to need to do. So I, I appreciate your your diving into the question. <laughs> yeah, I love. I want to drill down on the on that last one, Greg, which is. Melissa talked about business value and the prioritization. You've been an advocate for delivering customer and business value, okay? How important is that? I mean, the whole thing about outcomes over outputs. Can you tell us, based on your experience, either story or or situation where that was absolutely critical to the adoption of agile in marketing. If you think about any change within an organization and, you know, changing to agile is, is it's a disruptive thing. Once it's in place, it can be incredibly, you know, increased efficiencies and, and, and all kinds of things. But I work with a lot of orgs that are switching over to this. And so therefore you're making an investment that is literally disrupting how work is getting done. There's got to be immediate you know, returns and, and an understanding of business value. And so that's, in, in my work, there's, that's always been kind of part and parcel with beginning the work is, okay, we've got to be able to measure the, the returns almost immediately, because as agile as we can be about adopting agile, it's still a one day we're waterfall and the next day we're at least starting this, this new approach. And so even if we ease it in project by project or team by team or, or something like that, there still is a, you know, it's a binary, you know, one day it's not and one, the next day it is. And so in that, I also just always want to manage expectations and, and set the right expectations. So, you know, before we ever start with something, we try to determine what is going to be success. Is is success simply the technology and data teams are already agile and we just want to work more smoothly? Okay, let's try to figure out a number we can associate with that. But often with a company recently switching over, they needed to deliver more campaigns more quickly to market because they're somewhat... In, in the market, more personalization, all, all of these opportunities to provide better customer experiences means we need to create more stuff to be able to personalize to them. And so the demands on content creation and campaign creation are compounding these teams on, or on these teams, and therefore they need to up their efficiency. So that most recently working with a Fortune 500 apparel company, that was one of their goals is we need to up our output almost immediately to add one to, you know, eventually maybe five, 10 campaigns to our ability. And we were able to add one more, you know, even just within a few sprints. So that, that was an amazing effort. So what would you say to teams who are just getting started with agile marketing? One, trust the process. You know, I think before you start changing things and to our earlier, our earlier point about, you know, how far is, you know, how far can we push agile before it's not? I think it's, fundamental to understand the principles and the the processes that, you know, if you're adopting Scrum, in other words, I think it's it's vital that you actually understand the traditional ways of doing these things. You know, you got to learn the rules before you start breaking rules is, is at least the way I see things. So I think it's really important to learn that stuff because again, a lot of, a lot of people, they hear things like, oh, we 
we tried agile, whatever that even means, but, you know, we tried agile or this other team I knew at this old, at my old company tried agile and it didn't work. There's so much just misunderstanding, misinformation. And until you really learn it and until you really do it, you might do it and, and find that it doesn't work as well as it could for you, but do it and learn it first before you, you know, before you do that. So, I mean, that, that would be the first thing and, and make sure, you know, if you're a leader and you've got a couple people on the team that know this stuff inside and out, but you've got the rest of the team that doesn't make sure everybody gets up to speed. And there may be some people that are sitting back, like I know this or whatever, and that's fine. I think we can all use a refresher personally, but make sure everybody is on a level playing field before they start. Otherwise you're going to get these, you know, quote unquote experts trying to say how things are done and they may or may not even be right. I, I think it, you know, just democratizing it all the way around is, is just a good approach. Greg, a lot of this stuff that you've been talking about, you also cover in your latest book. People want to get a little more detail. They want to get a little more into these issues. What's the name of the book and where can they find it? The book is called The Agile Brand Guide to Agile Marketing Implementation. And you can find it on my website at gregkillstrom.com or it's available on Amazon. And we'd love to hear what people think about it. Well, thank you, Greg, for sharing your wisdom and, and your stories with us. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great talking with you. Well, thanks for listening to our show today. Check out the show notes for this episode at agilemarketingblog.com or at the Agile Marketing Alliance.